What's up, guys? Chris Henry with you on a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly. Coming up a bit later, Eli Drinkwitz, the head coach of Missouri football, going to join me to talk Larry Roundtree the third. But we start with a beat writer's roundtable. Joe Reedy, Associated Press, Jeff Miller, LA Times, Daniel Popper, The Athletic. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Lovely. Living the dream. <laughs> no no. No complaints in, in late May. Uh, we're we're going to get into the schedule. I haven't talked to you guys about the schedule. I know it's been out for a bit, but I uh, would love to get your observations and, and your reactions to what the schedule looks like and how it kind of shakes out for the Chargers in 2021. But let's just start with whatever we could glean from rookie minicamp. So to give fans a little bit of context here, all four of us were out there on Friday for the observation portion of the practice. And there's not much to really take from it. It was a lot of uh, a lot of working out, uh, a lot of uh, conditioning on the field. There's no helmets or anything. Uh, what I was most interested in, I, I'll kick it off, and then I'll, I'll let Popper kind of respond to this, is I was more interested in the coaches and seeing the coaching staff on the field for the first time as opposed to the rookies because rookies' heads are spinning. They're just trying to figure out, you know, where the cafeteria is and, and all the things that they have to worry about off the field the coaching staff we've had this coaching staff in place for a while it was cool to kind of see them out there uh, work with the guys yeah I mean that's what I was doing I was going around and I just identifying every single coach because we haven't talked to all of the position coaches yet so we don't know what like some of them look like so I was identifying them I mean Brand Staley's never been a head coach before this is the first yeah. time he's ever ran a practice as a head coach and so it was interesting to watch and see how the operation functioned to see who was coaching where, to see which guys were going to be the loud, boisterous type of coaches, which guys were going to be more quiet and in-your-ear type coaches. I mean, that stuff matters when you think about how all these pieces are going to fit together, how this young coaching staff is going to operate in their first year. All that stuff matters, how the different personalities mesh together. And, and Brandon Staley, we've talked to him a lot about you know all the work that went into putting the staff together and that it was a thorough process and it's sort of interesting and fascinating to then watch it all come together in that first practice and see okay this is what he liked in Frank Smith the offensive line coach this is what he liked in Shane Day the quarterback's coach and actually see it materialize on the field I thought that was definitely one of the more interesting parts of, of that first day of minicamp rookie minicamp and Joe, it's been 110 plus days since he was announced as, as the head coach. So I know you were kind of looking at at Staley and seeing him kind of operate as his uh, his debut as the head coach, I guess, on the grass. Yeah, I think the interesting thing for me is when you're a first time head coach, Robert Sala kind of said in New York, I forgot that I had to break the huddle because yeah. now Jeff asked I'm him the about guy. that. Yeah. Staley hasn't had that yet, but when you're a head coach and you're going to different different areas, or do you just stand in the middle of the two fields, taking it all in, as I've seen some head coaches do, just how do you react? He said he went to something familiar first, to secondary, and then went to all the different position groups to kind of see how everything was going. Let's face it, rookie minicamp, if we can put this in as basic terms as possible, it's like college orientation. Yeah. Here's how we do practice. Here's how you put your socks on. Here's how <laughs> we do calisthenics. And here's where your locker room is. And as long as you get on the field and don't trip up, we consider that a successful orientation. Because let's face it, half the teams don't even get on the field anymore. 
it's mostly classroom work and stuff. But I think for this coaching staff, it was important, and these next two months are important, just to see how they function and organize things so that when we get to training camp, they're off and running. Hey, Jeff, you asked him about that, uh, if he had that Robert Sala welcome to the NFL as a head coach moment, and he said, no, sir. He said he's he was prepared and he, he was ready for this moment. And a couple of things that also struck me, he said that it was about relationship building, obviously, first and foremost, is kind of building those relationships with, with the players. He's never met these guys in person before. And then also just how do we operate as an organization? How do we operate as a coaching staff? Uh, from PR to, to people inside the building. Uh, what, what were your kind of takeaways from the, the brief practice we saw and then the presser? Yeah, I, I think Joe said it best. It is like orientation and it is important for people. I know people want to know the details of who looked good and who looked bad or what. They all look good. I mean, they're all in great shape. They're young. They're, they're, <laughs> they look right great. they're excited. <laughs> I mean, how many times in the last uh, couple of weeks have we talked to these guys and there, there's been some reference to dreams? This is my dream. I've dreamed of this. I mean, they're living their dream. So of course they're, they're fired up and they're going to, they're, they're flying all over the place. They look great. You know, they're, in, they're in tremendous shape. They, they, how can you not be when you're that aging or that athletic? Um, so it, it, it is more, I think what the, the chargers want to do and what teams who go through that process for a couple of days is they want these young guys to go through it for a day or two, three days, whatever it is. So that when now this week, next week, the week when these veterans come in there, they understand how this works. They've already gone through it a few times. They know, as Joe said, they know how to, and Brandon said, they know how, how do we stretch? You know, how do we stretch? What kind of question is that? You know, but that, you know, that's, that's where, that's what it is. It's very basic. So it's not, it's not so much let's learn the playbook and get out here and execute. It's more guys, here's the way the procedure works. Okay. Now we've done this for a few times. Now here come the real guys, the real pros, the varsity is coming now. And now you guys can, you can filter right in and you can start these, these relationships. And they, and Brandon Staley made a comment about how these rookie classes are kind of together. They stay together as they develop in their careers. Well, this was the first part of that. This was the first, the first stages of them developing their relationships among themselves as a rookie class, as a draft class. And they can kind of carry those relationships forward as they, as they enter their professional careers and move into something none of them have ever done before. And just to, just to further Joe's analogy here, there's no way to determine if a person's going to successfully ace Econ 200 based on how they do in the ice-breaking exercises in college orientation. So there we go. Exactly. Put a bow on but it. it. But if you have a good answer, it's an encouraging sign. We're going to look at you a little bit <laughs> a little bit more on the first day, right? No, exactly. But hey, to, to your point, and Popper, you could, you could piggyback off this. It gets real during the mini camp, a little more real, right? This was an opportunity to make sure the rookies, when the veterans do come in the building, they know what to expect. They know where to get in line and how the team operates. Um, but we're looking at guys like Larry Roundtree and, and Palmer. They're the only player in the position group. Like Larry Roundtree's got like a bungee uh, around his uh, a waist doing uh, running back drills with the running backs coach. There, there's nobody else there. So, again, what do you want from Friday? You know, everybody look good in shorts, like Jeff said. Yeah. I mean, Josh Palmer said himself that the hardest thing about the weekend was trying to find the cafeteria. Like that's what, that's, what's going on. right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, the idea is they'll all be acclimated when the veterans come in and then 
when we get to watch a few more practices and we can start gleaning some more information as far as what players are going to be in what positions, who's going to be on special teams. How are these practices going to run? You know, we can sit there and say, okay, you know, Brandon Staley spent almost the entirety of practice working with the defense. Okay. Does that mean that he's going to sort of hand the reins over to Joe Lombardi? That would make sense. Lombardi's very experienced. They obviously have a great relationship that dates back to 2005 at Mercyhurst college. Right. But we can't say anything definitively until we see them operate a few times in practice to see exactly how this is all going to work out. Um, and that's why, you know, we'll start being able to to make more concrete observations as we head into OTAs. And then obviously that two day veteran mini camp that's mandatory and, and everyone will be there and we can actually start to say, OK, this is what it's going to look like in 2021 for the Chargers. And I think the other key with OTAs, too, is unlike training camp the first three weeks, we only see four out of the 10 OTAs. So to Popper's point if during one of the OTAs, Staley is working with the defense only, we don't know if earlier or later that week he was just working with the offense because there's different install points and everything that they want to get through. And this is going to be an interesting OTA just from the fact of a new coaching staff and how much you want to get installed to begin with so that when they go in July, you know, off on off on the same point. And I think also the rookies come in with the same base knowledge as maybe most of these other veterans too. They're going to be learning the same time as the same time as the veterans with a lot of yeah. this stuff. It's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. So Jeff, let's get into the schedule a little bit. I know you guys have written about it, but just your overall impressions, what were the, maybe two or three things that stood out to you when you saw kind of how everything lines up for the Chargers in 2021? Well, the first thing that jumped out to me was the first game and the fact that they're playing. I mean, they're going to, we're going to find out real fast about this offensive line that they've rebuilt. I mean, they're going against, you know, Washington, which uh, we, we know what they can do up front and, and their defense is uh, based on last season was awfully good. So, uh, you know, a playoff team. I know they didn't have a great record, uh, but they still made the playoffs, and they they have a, they have a real good defense. We know that, and they're going to test that offensive line. And so, um, yeah, the, the my first thought was that you know they go they got to travel across country and play a really good team, a really good defense, and you know who knows what Washington's quarterback situation. I mean, it's probably going to be Fitzpatrick. Nobody's going to be afraid of that. But it's it's that defense. It's that's good. You know, that's worth uh, that, that's certainly going to be the, the theme of that opening week, uh, depending on uh, how everything goes in, in training camp. But it, it certainly looks like it's going to be OK. Offensive line here. You guys, you, you know, we we've invested money, we've invested time and resources into this. Now we're going to find out right away uh, uh, how, how good they are, to, at least to start the season. Fitzmagic's going to throw for 450 yards and four touchdowns. And then we're going to cut this clip up and tweet it at Jeff. It, 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 that's very possible. And then, and then two weeks later, he, he won't be the quarterback anymore. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You're, Jeff, you're right, though. It, we, we get Slater versus Chase Young very early in the season. And you want to test, talk about Deron Payne, Allen, Sweat, and Young against this new look offensive line. Offensive Rookie of the Year versus Defensive Rookie of the Year. So week one is certainly a test going from west to east, too. Joe, what about you, man? First six weeks leading to the bye are brutal. I mean, mm. we we all look at Washington Quite and the opener, but then Dallas at Kansas City, Vegas on Monday night, Cleveland, and then going to Baltimore. That's 
you're you're gonna pretty much know after six weeks where this team stands because I mean this this isn't your typical third place schedule either. It's it's pretty loaded because it's always the combination of interleague opponents that you get and also I mean this was a bad year for the NFC West to get the AFC North. Um with the with the with the year that the year that they had and everything, and then you look at the third place teams. New England was in third last year. Um, Houston, maybe a little bit of a layup, but we we really don't know at this revenge point. game for Tyrod Taylor though. Could be. Um, we don't know that we don't know if Deshaun Watson's going to be there, but we also don't know if Reliance Stadium's going to be burned to the ground by then with. Uh, <laughs> everything that goes on goes on with that organization so that game is december 26 too i mean we got we got a lot of season before we get to the houston Texans, <laughs> right but i think the thing that really jumped out for me too three prime time games and at home for this team um i did ask some of the network people because i do the annual network heads look at the schedule and give their feelings about it and they said they're they're banking on herbert and uh you know on a young quarterback you want to buy high they hadn't bought high on josh allen in the past they bought a little bit high a year ahead of schedule on baker mayfield but they think you know with the la market and everything three primetime games and all at home is pretty good and it's going to be a pretty good showcase for this franchise yeah, plus the flex scheduling too. You never know if you get an extra game, or who knows? Maybe maybe you get one taken away. But uh, I, <laughs> I, I I highly doubt that that Chiefs Chargers game on uh, Thursday. Well, that's a Thursday night football game, so I think that sticks regardless. Popper, what about you, man? What, what did you take away from this schedule? Yeah, these guys hit a bunch of big ones. Um, you know, my number one was three primetime games, and and like Joe alluded to, I mean that is just totally leaning into the stardom of Justin Herbert and, and this kid has star power. Like, let's be real. He's very exciting to watch play football. I can say from experience. Um, and so it's, it's really intriguing that the NFL is acknowledging that and, and giving chargers fans three primetime games at home. Um, the interesting thing with it is, okay. You know, obviously there's a lot of uncertainty about what SoFi stadium is going to look like that. That is a storyline that's hovering above the franchise. Um, and you've got, uh, you know, two, sizable fan bases in terms of opposing fan bases coming into SoFi between the Raiders and the Steelers. So what does it look like? I think that's going to be a fascinating part of these night games that we haven't touched on yet. Um, Joe mentioned the first six games of the schedule. Let's go all the way through week 11. They got the bye in week seven, but the four games after the bye are not easy. You got to host Bill Belichick, right? We, we know exactly what Bill Belichick can do uh, based on what happened in that Patriots Chargers game last year. I, you know, you don't expect that to happen again, but, this guy is going to come in with his team very prepared. Um, and then you got, uh, you know, the Eagles game and in Philadelphia, never an easy trip across the country. And then you host the Vikings. The Zimmer defense is always going to be great. Um, and then you got the Steelers defense, who had one of the best defenses in the league. Obviously lost a couple pieces and, and Bud Dupree and, and Steven Nelson, but still a really, really good team, especially Ben Roethlisberger can turn it around. So you look at the first 11 weeks of the season, it's like, yeah. good grief. Like it's going to be, it's, it's a challenge right away. I think we're going to know, like Joe said, exactly what this team is after the first six weeks of the season. And we're certainly going to know through those first 11 weeks. Um, the other thing is, you know, having gone through another schedule release now, like the charge, you're never going to see the charger schedule come out and be like, 
wow, that's they got an easy break this year just because the AFC West is going to be good every single year. I mean, anytime yeah. you're playing the Chiefs twice, it's going to be a tough schedule. Um, and I think that's something that I'm starting to realize is like, even if you're playing, a, a, you know, a worse division, even if you finished in third or fourth in, in, in the division or playing some easier teams in that part of the schedule, I mean, the AFC West is going to come at you every single year. And, you know, at the top of that division is the Chiefs. So those are my takeaways. Yeah, and Joe made the point. the The AFC North obviously tough. Even even the NFC East that was it was the worst division of football last year. Uh, you still have some tough opponents. I, I I noticed this though. You know, Brandon Staley. We know he's a first year head coach, but he did play the NFC East last year. So you have that familiarity a little bit with that division. I know it wasn't a very good division. They went four and zero. I think they allowed less than fourteen points a game. But the the fact that he knows a little bit about the NFC opponents this year, I think, is a positive. Um, but also, he's he's coming into a new situation where you're you're playing Patrick Mahomes twice a year. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield is not going to be easy. Lamar Jackson's not going to be easy. Um, so there, there's a lot of interesting games on the schedule as we get through. Another thing I noticed too, Joe, there's only one back-to-back road uh, sequence in week 12 and 13. You go at Denver at Cincinnati. So you're not on the road for an extended period of time, but at the same time, you're on the East Coast three times in the first nine weeks. Yeah, if this team did catch a break with something, it was the spacing out of the of the East scheduling. You go in week one, which I think everybody figured since they went um, Cincinnati last year for the opener. Uh, they don't go to Cincinnati until early December, which you could catch a break with the weather. It's gonna be windy though, is is typical in Cincinnati. Could be could be and if if I can pull up Doppler radar five here, uh could be uh low fifties, cloudy with a uh, a little bit of wind coming off the Ohio. But Philly they get Philly they get earlier. I mean that is the one thing. It's not like they're taking a December trip to Buffalo. Um, where last yeah. year that wind in Buffalo was just or Kansas City, Joe. First time yeah. I'm not going to Kansas City in December since 2016. Yeah, good point on that too. They, they they go to Kansas City early, and you know in December the game at Houston's going to be a retractable roof, and last home game of the year is at Vegas, which is a uh, which is a um, dome, for lack of a better term. So. Yeah, the road games are spaced out, which is which is very good for them and uh, a benefit. But you know, those first six weeks, though, I mean, the Anthony Lynn era began zero and four. You hope the Brandon Staley era doesn't begin that way. But you know, with those first four op- opponents, it's now the realm of possibility. Or they could go yeah. four and two to start. We just don't know at the moment. If you get you through just, there, two and four. If you get through there two and four, I mean, that is, I think that's a win, honestly. You know, I'm, at, I'm looking though at Washington. It, yes, it's tough, but that's, that's a game. I think the chargers should win. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I wrote, I wrote, uh, you know, I think they, who wouldn't take three and three right now? I mean, if you, right. I mean, you, you come out of that three and three, you'd be like, wow, we're in really good shape. So I think pop's point is, is good. I mean, they could play really well and be two and four. You know, we, we could be sitting here, you know, talking about how this team looks great and they really have done all these great things and they've only won twice out of the six games. I mean, it's very possible. It's just, 
it's it's hard to tell from here. Who knows? You know, you don't know who's going to be healthy and things happen. Yeah, we're doing this. We're doing this. In, on, it's May nineteenth. We're doing this. Yeah, so I mean, it, we have no idea. Who knows? You know, as I jokingly tweeted after it came out, it'll be interesting to see what happens to that Washington line after the Aaron Rodgers trade. <laughs> yeah, just, right. Like who knows? A lot of who time. <laughs> like who knows what's going to happen? I mean, there's all kinds <laughs> of stuff. So, uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I think if they if you said, hey, you're going to be three and three going into your bye, I think they would be like, OK, that's we survived that. We got through that pretty good because, I mean, that, you know, optimistically, OK, maybe the Washington game, the Raiders game. And then it's like a, one of those other they could win one of those other four. Yeah, that's, you know, they'd be in pretty good shape, probably. Three of those first six games are also 10 a.m. Pacific time starts. Mm. Which. Is noteworthy. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, people don't really – I never used to look at that because I was always an East Coast guy. But since moving to the West Coast, like, looking at how many 10 a.m. starts you have in a short period of time, like, that matters because your body clock is like, all right, I want to be ready to play at 1 p.m. Pacific time. So you have to, like – you have to build that into your practices. So, yeah. I mean, the Washington game is a 10 a.m. start. Kansas City is a 10 a.m. start. And then Baltimore is a 10 a.m. start. Well, as Popper knows from living in New York, too, where – You've got two teams that share a stadium. The one thing that always jumps out to me every year is, especially now with SoFi, how many weeks is SoFi dormant? And it's three weeks again this year. I think there's two or three weeks when there's back-to-back. I know that um, Raiders uh, Monday night game, the Rams play the Sunday before. So it's all, all too about just balancing you know, who gets that 10 a.m. spot, who gets that 1 p.m., because the league has been very good with trying to avoid the 1 o'clock putting both um, head-to-head against each other. Jets and Giants, there's just a rule somewhere in the league constitution that they will never be head-to-head unless they're playing each other. But with the Rams and Chargers... And and uh, Chris would know this know this better just with the with the work he does with CBS too. Just you know, if you're two and if you're Fox Eleven, you really want to avoid that head to head and going against each other. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no question about it. And then also, it's also noteworthy that there's only three preseason games this year. We didn't have any last year. We have that extra opponent this year, the Minnesota Vikings, which. Uh, Popper mentioned November 14th after that Eagles game on the road. So I'll be interested to see how they approach the preseason as well. How much uh, time are you given the starters in, uh, let's say, I don't know, is usually that third preseason game typically was that dress rehearsal. What is it now? Is it the, it's at Rams, 49ers, at Seahawks. Is it that 49ers game at home where you play your starters a little bit more? That That's going to be an interesting, I think, storyline to this as well too, Popper. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, and, and I'd have to dig into it a little bit more to figure out exactly what the plan is, but it would seem to me like that you would just eliminate that fourth game. Because that fourth game is usually just, you know, where you get the bunch of the bottom of the roster guys, the guys closer to, you know, 75 to 90 yeah. on your, on your date, roster. By the way, those... dates dates are not out for that yet, so we don't know what those dates right. exactly look like right now. I mean, you could just do the same thing and, you know, have your quarterback play a series in, in week one of the preseason, a quarter in week two a half in week three, and then just sort of cancel out that fourth game where you typically just have bottom of the roster guys, you know, fighting for those last two, three spots on the roster, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's going to be tougher 
with the three preseason games, it's going to be tougher for guys lower on the roster to really show themselves and make the team. That's just the reality. All right, guys, final thing. We'll go around the horn to end it. Just if you could pick one game, the most anticipated game, the, the game you're looking forward to the most, Jeff, uh, just, just from covering it, uh, what would it be? Wow. Uh, I'm going to take the uh, Chiefs, the first Chiefs game, um, just because Week three. We, we know what the Chiefs are and we get to see another uh, Herbert and uh, Mahomes uh, show. And I think it was so good the last time, or at least the, yeah, I mean, it wasn't the only time they played, right? Because uh, Mahomes didn't play the last game. So uh, we get to see another one of those. And uh, I'm sure uh, that's going to be a game that uh, Justin Herbert's going to really want to after last year, they were so close to winning that game and uh, a late mistake. So I, that's a game I'm sure that he's looking forward to. And I think it's just, uh, I think there'll be a lot of anticipation for that game. And, and uh, so, yeah, that's, that's the one I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the easy one. I'll take the, the, uh, you know, the Super Bowl representative and the, and all that and, and Mahomes and everything that the chiefs bring. And, and that I think that'll be, that's the one that I'll, uh, I'll go with. Yeah, first game of the division after two games against NFC East opponents. So we'll know we'll know very quickly uh, what how they stack up against Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Joe, what about you, Ben? Bias wise, I should say October tenth in Cle- in Cleveland because a lot of the Cleveland <laughs> talk show hosts are uh, already trying to scope out Radio Row and uh, SoFi for their uh, Super Bowl week plans, but. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say uh, October fourth in Vegas. Herbert did very well in primetime games last year. This will be their second major national opportunity because the Dallas game will be the uh, Fox Fox or CBS doubleheader game week two. Yes. But a uh, lot of uh, national eyeballs will be on that game and. Uh, as Popper said, too, how much of the uh, Raiders contingent uh, shows up at SoFi for that? Mm-hmm. First, uh, the first primetime game for the Chargers at SoFi, too. Popper, end it for us, bud. Okay. So my pick is obviously at the Chiefs in week three, but Jeff's been reading The Athletic and, and stole my pick there. But the, the interesting thing for that the, – <laughs> that You're the only one who came up with that. <laughs> No, the interesting thing for me about that game is it's really the first time we're going to get a Mahomes-Herbert matchup where both guys have had a full week to prepare for the game. Because you remember, in that week two game last year, Herbert got thrown in the fire five minutes before yeah. kickoff. Hey, bud, you're starting. And then Mahomes sat in week 17 last year. So that's why I'm eyeing that one. But to bring up a, a, two other ones, all right, that I'm really eyeing. Patriots at home, week eight, because they the Chargers got whooped last year by the Patriots. I mean, 45 to nothing. And there are guys that were playing in that game that are still on this team. Like let's, I know it's a different coaching staff, but there are guys that are going to remember that game and are going to want to show up against the Patriots and send a message about a change in culture and a different direction for this organization. But the one game I'm really looking forward to. Plus Hunter Henry the, comes back. Hunter Henry comes back too for that one. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of storylines there. Um, and then at the Broncos week 12, Vic Fangio, the mentor versus Brandon Staley, the mentee. I think if these battles, as long as Staley and Fangio are in their current roles, are going to be absolutely fascinating because they are intimately familiar with each other as coaches, intimately familiar with the schemes. So it's going to be a chess match, the type of stuff that football nerds absolutely obsess over. So I, I'm really looking forward to that first Broncos-Chargers matchup in Week 12. And and Justin Herbert versus Joe Burrow remains available. Anybody yeah. can take that. 
We need that's a fifth a, that's, person to take that one. That's still that's still on the board, and I wasn't even going to take that one. I, I I say week one because of the old offensive line versus defensive oh. line matchup. I, I'm fascinated by seeing this new look O line against like one of the best defensive lines of football right off the bat, and then you have the the Rashawn Slater, Chase Young, Justin Herbert, Chase Young storyline. And it's that first game, you know, everybody's anticipating what this team and this roster is going to look like, how coach Staley's going to manage a game. So we get all those answers on September 12th. Plus the chiefs game on Thursday night football week 15, that's still on the board too. And that's a game where, you know, three years ago, these guys played at Arrowhead week 15, Thursday night football. And we all know the result. Mike Williams, three touchdowns of that two-point conversion. So I appreciate you guys uh, joining me. Joe Reedy, Associated Press, Jeff Miller, LA Times, Daniel Popper, The Athletic. We'll do it again soon. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Thank you. Thank you. All right. Very pleased to be joined by the head coach of the Missouri Tigers. Eli Drakewitz joins me. Hey, coach, I appreciate your time. Why don't we just start with this? Take me back to a few weeks ago. I think it was a Saturday when Larry Rouchy was drafted by the Chargers? Man, I was so excited. You know, we talk about in our program chasing two dreams, a life with football and a life outside of football. And these guys have this great God-given ability to play this game at a high level, and, and their dream is to play in the NFL. And so for them to have the realization of that dream uh, in that moment, it's just such a special thing. And uh, not only for him, but his parents and his support group and in and, and our program. And, and we were extremely proud for him. And then, you know, you dive into the fit. I think he's going to be a tremendous fit out uh, in L.A. with this football club. And I know he'll team well with Justin Herbert and the rest of those talented football players he's got out there. But uh, he'll be an excellent football player for that program for a long time. You know, you talk about the fit. Obviously, Justin Herbert under center, but uh, the Chargers, they draft for Sean Slater in the first round, uh, a young left tackle. They've kind of retold the entire offensive line. So you talk about the situation you get drafted into. Sometimes it's not about if you get drafted in the first, second, fifth, sixth round. It's kind of the fit with the team. And I think Larry fits very nicely in that running backs room. Yeah, you know, we talk about, uh, even with those guys, is all you're looking for is an opportunity, and what you do with that opportunity is between you and God. And uh, Larry's got a tremendous opportunity in front of him. He's going to be a tremendous asset for both that left tackle and for Justin to take the pressure off of them uh, as far as having to throw the football and protect. You know, he's a guy that can get the tough yards. Uh, It's not always pretty when you hand him the football as far as the blocking scheme, but he's going to make sure it's a positive play. And he's just got a great smile and personality, and and, uh, he's going to be an excellent person in the locker room for those guys to lean on. You know, he was voted team captain by his peers for us and just a guy that was was, uh, a joy to be around. I was just that was my next question. He he was named team captain his senior year. Why do you think he was selected as a team captain? I, I think anytime you're voted by your peers to be team captain, it's a reflection of your work ethic and, and really who you are as a person and, and how they respect the way your game is uh, on the field, but what also your game is off the field. And and he's one of those guys that does both of those. So if it wasn't for Mizzou legend Brad Smith, the quarterback. Larry would be the all-time leading rusher at Missouri. I don't know if you could just, for our viewers and our listeners, put that into perspective, what Larry was able to accomplish there in a school with such a rich tradition of football. I mean, anytime you're the best to ever do it, you know, or have the best 
stats to ever do it. That's pretty special. They've been playing football for a long time here at the University of Missouri, and for that running back, for him to have that many yards, and obviously Brad Stevens did it in a different style and a different position, but for for Larry to have uh, that is something that they're not going to be able to take away from him for a very long time, and and um, it just speaks to the character, work ethic, but also toughness. I mean, you're talking about a guy who played in 10 SEC games, uh, had 34 carries versus Kentucky and then turned around the very next week and did it again. And so this guy is very durable. Um, he's got tremendous work ethic, but he also – the team matters to him, and he's committed to that team process, and he's going to lay it on the line every week for him. And, Coach, this was a player you did not recruit. So to, to have him in your program and to have a guy that was established and really bought into what you were doing, uh, what did that mean to you? Uh, well, I mean, obviously for me personally, it was a, a point of pride and just being able to build that relationship with Larry and be able to connect with him um, and get that response from him for him buying into our team goals. But, you know, it also speaks to him and how much success he's going to potentially have at the next level because he's able to buy into uh, what your ho head coach, Coach Staley's uh, preaching and, and uh, he's going to be a, a great ambassador from the coaching staff to the locker room. And it's more than just playing running back at the next level. We're talking about special teams, being that selfless teammate. In his introductory uh, press conference with the media, Larry talked about the fact that he used to play special teams. He's not afraid of it. Uh, when you get a player like that, especially drafted in the fifth round, I, I think Larry seems to be very self-aware that he's got to do everything to make an NFL roster. Yeah, I mean, we had, we had those conversations with all of our guys who were later round picks. The, the the special teams is the way to the roster, right? There's there's uh, 56 coveted spots, I believe, and, and the only way to get that is to have some sort of special teams value. And so, you know, he, he knows how to do it. Obviously, for us, we didn't want to add any extra hits to him because we were handing him the sure. ball a few times. But for y'all and what you're going to need him to do, he's going to be a very willing player to, to contribute in special teams. From a pure running backs perspective, Coach, what are the NFL characteristics that you think Larry possesses? Well, I think toughness, uh, one, and then vision, two. I think he's going to be a, a running back that uh, is going to be able to, to, you know, negate negative yardage plays because he's such a tough running style and a hard to tackle. And the first guy is going to have a very difficult time tackling him. I mean, he's got a big frame, uh, physical, um, uh, tough runner, you know, I hate to make comparisons because that's not fair to him or the people I'm making comparisons to, but he's such a strong physical runner. I think you're going to be very excited about what he brings. Hey, Coach, final thing for you. Just a, a favorite memory that you have with Larry in uh, in this short time that you spent with him. Obviously, last year was so unconventional for, for everybody in the world of sports, specifically college football, uh, but I'm, I'm sure you had some good ones with Larry last year. You know, I, I I think about uh, the touchdowns he, he scored against Kentucky. I think about the win versus LSU. I think about the four-minute offense against uh, South Carolina. You know, but probably the best game that he had for us, well, against Vanderbilt, he, he had uh, a big-time game also and three touchdowns, I think. But uh, probably the Kentucky game, just the load he had to carry. I think he had 34 rushes in that game for over 100 yards and really chewed out the clock. And he knew that we were going to really lean on him to, to win that football game, and he did it for us and, and uh, showed up that next Tuesday to practice and, and didn't miss a rep. And so to have that um, commitment to our football team was was special. 
Well, Coach, I, I can't thank you enough for your time. I know how busy you are, even in the offseason. And, you know, the hope is maybe, I don't know, week three, we're in Kansas City. Maybe maybe we yeah. see you at Arrowhead Stadium. Yeah. Maybe we see you down the line at some point uh, cheering on Larry. Well, I mean, if y'all can give me some sideline passes, I'm sure I can make it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to the coaches staff, see if they can make that happen. Coach, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Y'all be good. And that's going to do it for us. It was a fun episode. A big thanks to Coach Drinkwitz for joining me, Jeff Miller, Daniel Popper, Joe Reedy as well. And of course, thanks to you all for listening. Be sure to download and subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great weekend. And until next time, I'm Chris Hayreed.